Good morning, church. It's nice to be in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? I feel good. I feel very good. I feel tremendously good when I'm here. Why? Because I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the joy of the people. I hear the singing, and everything works so well for me. I hope it's the same for you too. This morning, I want us to do something different. I want us to start this day by giving a clap offering to God Almighty. For he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe, and he deserves all our worship. Let's give God a round of applause. Amen. Today, we are still looking at the question of the Daniel Dilemma, which is how we, in a modern generation, can stand firm and love well, even in a society where everything seems to be going the other way around. And uh, Pastor Stevie has given me this title to speak on. Sorry about that. You are what you worship. You are what you worship. I feel that we are transformed by what we believe in. We are transformed by what we believe in. If you trust so much in money, all your pursuit will be in money. If you trust so much in your strength, all your pursuit will be sure of strength. If you trust in the Lord, your eyes will be focused on Him. Who or what we worship affects our character. It affects our behavior. And the things we do as well. Because if you don't believe in God, you won't be here. You'll be somewhere else trying to do something else. But because you believe in God, you're here this morning to give him worship, to give him praise, to hear his word, to be imbibed by him, to be filled with his word. So that when you go out there, there is a difference in you. You are different from other people. Why? Because you exhibit godliness in yourself. I want to start by describing what worship is in secular times. It is an expression of reverence for a deity or something. The words that come into mind becomes reverence, reverence, worshiping, venerating, adoration. It's about glorification. So when we think worship, when we talk worship, we are looking beyond ourselves. We are looking at something that is dear to our hearts. And we begin to run after such things above who we are. I would like to read um, 
Psalm 115, which is talking about worship and what people do. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 115. It says, not us, O Lord, not unto us, for unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where now is your God? For our God is in heavens. He had done whatsoever he pleased. Amen? But their God, their idols, are silver and gold, and the work of men's hands. They have mouths, they do not speak. Eyes have they, do not see. They have ears, but hear not. They have noses, but smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. They, they feel, they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like them. The God you make for yourself, you become like that God. What is your God to them? Well, I stand here today assured of one thing, that we are not idol worshippers, but we are worshippers of a true living God. Is that the case, church? If that's the case, say a sounding yes, yes. with conviction. Yes. Yes. yes! Absolutely. I'm going to start with some story this morning. I have two stories precisely from the book of Daniel. All right, Nathan, help me there. Okay. Again, move on. All right. We can forget the... The Bible says that you shall have no other gods before me. Can anybody remember... Where this is picked from. Okay? And that is the very first commandment that God has given us. We should have no other gods before the living God. God hates anything idolatry. He doesn't want us to serve any other being before him. He has to be put first. That is a demand from our God. He is a jealous God. He does not condone Worshipping of other things before him. So when he gave Moses that, the Ten Commandments to come down, the very first of it was, you shall have no other gods before me. So do you have any other god before God this morning? Or do you put God first in your life? 
The first story I'm going to tell is a, a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is taken from the book of Daniel. At a point in the history of Israel, Israel fell to the Babylonians. In the process, the king of Babylon asked that all the favorite children, the handsome-looking ones, the ones with intelligence, the ones from the royal home, be brought to service of the kingdom. This king is clever. He knows how to get the best things to be used for himself. Among those that were brought forward was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their, they were renamed, these names. But the story is not about their naming. It's about what these guys stood for. So there came a time that King Nebuchadnezzar decided that he would build a statue for himself, of himself, and that everybody must worship his statue. But these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, decided in their heart they are not going to bow down to any God apart from the living God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it came to the notice of the king, and these guys were rounded up and brought before him. And, they, and they, they, the law says that whoever does not bow before the king will be thrown into the furnace. And in their case, the furnace was made so hot, ten times hotter than it usually is. So much so that those who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that fire were burnt. They died from the heat. But then the king was standing there, and he could see there was a fourth person in the fire. So I will tell you the continuation of the story from the Bible directly. This is not a fairy tale. This is a story of things that happened physically. So that when you're worshiping God, you know that he is with you. You know that he will care for you. There's nobody that looks after the affairs of God that God will not look after his affairs. So in Daniel 3 from verse 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, was it not three men we cast into the midst of fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire, he responded and said, sorry, I'm jumping my lines here, excuse me. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, he says, you servants of the Most High. When you stand firm for your God, you know what happens? Even the heathens will start preaching the gospel for you. 
Because they will see the power of God in your life and they will take over from where you stop. So do not be afraid to stand firm for what you believe in. Do not be afraid to worship your God wherever you are. Because he is by your side, he is around you, he is in your innermost being, and he will exude himself, he will show himself strong for the people to see. All you need to do is stand firm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the high officials gathered around and saw in regards to these men that the fire had no effect at all. The same fire that people who took them, came near, died from it, had no effect at all. There's more detailing in it. Not a hair on them was singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor was there even a smell of fire on them. How amazing is that? The second story is about Daniel himself and the lion's den. In this case, Daniel was flourishing because he was so clever, because God had given him knowledge and understanding. And the king had taken him up. Because of Daniel, the king had also given Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego high posts within the kingdom. Daniel was taken next to the king. king uh, provinces were formed. The people who were in charge of provinces were reporting onto Daniel. That's how big this guy, who is just a slave, brought into a foreign country. That's how he rose, because he stood firm for his God. And they were jealous of him. His co-leaders. So, they planned the plot. They said, King, you need to make an edict. And in this, it means that nobody will appeal to any other God or ask something from any other place or worship any other being except you. For the next week. And the king sat and they wrote it up into an edict and they brought it forward to the king. And he signed it. And in the law of the Babylonians, once an edict is signed, it cannot be rethinked. You cannot change it. The king never knew that they were plotting against his favorite guy, Daniel. But of course, Daniel will never stop to worship his God or put petition forward to God because he knows that's where his knowledge and understanding and all the favor he's getting comes from. And so, it came to pass. The law was made. Nobody should make requests or worship any other being except the king. But you know what Daniel does? To open his curtain, three times a day, he prays. He doesn't hide to pray in the closet and say, in case they kill me, no. He trusted in his God and he wants the world to know who he worships. And so, it came to pass that they brought Daniel before the king. And they told the king, well, here's Daniel, your favorite guy. 
But you know what? He's not worshiping you, neither is he bowing down towards you or bringing his petition to you. He's petitioning his God. Daniel, is that so? He went, aye. There was no option. The king had already made the law. And so Daniel had to be thrown into the lion's den. The guy was bundled. Boom. And the lion's den. But even when he was being thrown into the lion's den, I think the king knew within himself that the, king, the God of Daniel would save him. Because you know what? The very next morning, guess who came to the lion's den to ask? The king could not sleep. He woke up in the morning. He came close to the lion's den and he asked Daniel, Daniel, have your God saved you? I think I'll continue with the Bible version now instead of my story so that we see how it is real. Because I get carried away with these stories and the pictures forms in my head and I can see Daniel standing there like the picture is there with the lions coming around and he's stroking them like they are his pet dogs and stuff. <laughs> At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried up to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom ye served continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? He has not seen Daniel. He knew Daniel was cast into the lion's den. He knew the lions will not spare anybody, but he woke up first thing in the morning and he came to the lions. Then without seeing Daniel, he was speaking to him through the door. When you stand firm and love well, you will convince the people around you that your God is so superior that the supernatural become normal for them because they could see that your God is always on your side. Daniel answered, my king, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels and they shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed. He gave orders to, to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Because he trusted in his God. And the king, command, the king commanded. I want you to listen to this part carefully. The king commanded. The men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought, were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. Alongside their wives, their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. When you stand firm, God does not only protect you. He makes your enemies to fall before you. So you start being strong wherever you are. Start being bold wherever you are. Because the God we serve is not a dead God, he's a living God. 
He is with you at all times. He is before you and he's after you. Nothing will come close to you that he does not know about because he knows everything. He's a God of infinite knowledge. He sees all you do. He knows all you do. He can see before you and he can see after you. He's a timeless God. The Bible calls him the ancient of days. He transcends our days. He was there before we ever were. And he'll be there after we were long gone if we will ever be gone. Because the Bible tells me that we, if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a glorious eternity. And so, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. From the account of the Bible, Daniel was there in the reign of four different kings. And all of them had Daniel close to them as second in command or something like that. Isn't that wonderful? A slave boy picked up from nowhere came and prospered in that land so much so. That people have been given high authority places because of him. Before him, he was always in the center of affairs of this great nation. So my question for you is, what has the first place in your life? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it prosperity? Or does God have first priority in your life? Matthew 6.33 gave me a, a beautiful answer that I want you to note and note very well. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all be added unto you. And what are all these things? Health, wealth, prosperity, good success comes with seeking God's kingdom first. I was reading the studies of uh, Chris Hodges living well with the Daniel Dilemma. And he, he made a proposition, you know, which works well for me. I don't know. I will make this same suggestion for you. He said, give God 15. And he went to explain what give God 15 means. He says, the first five minutes of the day, when you wake up, start in prayer. The next five minutes in the word. And the next five minutes in worship. And then go out for your day. And you'll have a glorious rest. The first 15 minutes of your day, are you able to give that to God in worship, in adoration, in thanksgiving, and in knowing him more? False worship starts with ourselves. When we refuse to look out onto God, but look into ourselves. Individualism. I want to be different. I want to be me. 
What is in it for me? When you become the center of affairs, when you become the center of the universe, then you're beginning to deviate in worship from who you should worship. Do we get it? When you begin to feel yourself being so important that you become the center of the universe, when everything must revolve around you, you've started missing out. Hedonism. You know it well what you shouldn't be doing, but you have excuses to do it. If it feels good, then it's okay. It is not okay just because it feels good. If you cheat, it's a sin. If you lie, because other people are lying, because it does not hurt anybody, it is not right. Righteousness is about being right at all times. It doesn't condone any negativity. It doesn't take anything from who you are. It makes you more of what people can trust and believe in. Modern day, it doesn't hurt anybody else. It doesn't. It means it can be done. It means it is right if it feels right. It doesn't feel right. Because it feels, it feels right, if you get what I'm saying. Because in modern world, we are so taken, taken away with what we want, what we can do, so long as it doesn't hurt other people, then it is okay. But we live by codes which God has given us. We should live a righteous life. We should live a life that is pleasing unto God. Slothful. I find this common in modern day. You, you can laugh about it. this animal called sloth. If it doesn't, if it's not hungry, it just sleeps. That's where the name sloth, slothfulness comes from. Do you feel like doing just the least to get the best pay? It can be. It can lead to some form of godliness and wrong worship, you know. Just being lazy, waiting to take opportunities and seizing the moments and not doing enough, but taking what does not belong to you. That sin leads to covetousness. What is the least I can do to get the most? That's that sin. The desire for money and materialism. We get to a place where we want so much from everything. The whole world at our, in our pocket. We have a TV, it's not enough. We have a car, it's not enough. We have a house, it's not enough. The desire for so much continues so much so that we become slaves to what our heart desires. And we start forgetting what we should worship. And our worship becomes worship for money. Worship for materialism. Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, says this. 
But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Are we in these times? Don't get me wrong. It's all right to have material wealth. It's all right to use it to bless the people of God. It's all right to prosper. It is been when your desire is not for the end, when the end of what you desire is just this acquisition, which has no other meaning but just to hoard, that becomes wrong. Because God has made us to prosper. Someone talks about those who trust the Lord. He says we are like a, pla- a tree planted by the rivers of water. We will yield our fruit in due season. And whatever you do, you will prosper. So prosperity is your given right. But what do you use it for when it comes your way? No one can serve two masters. You either serve God or you serve what your heart desires. The sources of our choosing a different thing to worship are so many. I'll just mention a few because this is a vast topic to be dealt with and time is running out, so I'll rush through. When we have wrong ideas about God, when we start looking, making meanings and not looking at the truth, we start looking elsewhere and start worshipping something different. When you see God as God of love that demands nothing from you, God is so good. He's so faithful. He's so kind. He's excellent. He does this for me. God becomes your Tesco, your supermarket. You only go to there when you need something. And when it's done, you turn your back. And again, when you need that goodie, you come back. That's a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. When you are godly, you look up to God for everything. You worship him for everything. You thank him. And in thankfulness, you refuse to look at any other thing that is negative because your focus is completely based on God and you are not able to see anything wrong, but constant worship and adoration unto God becomes what flows from your heart. The opposite of this also can cause us to begin to form other gods. When we begin to see God as merciless, as not being there for us when we need him. 
because we go through sometimes perilous times. He has not turned his back on you. He knows. He has his plan. And his plan is for you to prosper and bring you to a desired end. And you are in the middle and you can't see the back, you can't see the front, and you begin to murmur because you're going through some difficult times. Don't. Because he has a plan for you. And his plan is to bring you to a desired end. You can take that from the, from the story of uh, Job. It came to pass that everything he had was taken away by Satan. Job does not know that Satan had come to God to test to see what caliber of person Job is. And God said, come on, you go. Do whatever you like to him, but don't touch his soul. So Satan went about hacking the children, hacking his wealth, hacking his house, putting all sorts of things on Job. And Job stood firm. But Job, at the end of it, even in the world before he, before he died, got whatever he had back ten times more. So because we do not know the plan that God has in place and we are going through perilous times, does not mean that we must turn our back on God. We must constantly trust in him, knowing that he who started a good work in you is able to complete that. Timothy says, for this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So folks, I'm not telling you to wait till eternity. It pays to worship God right here. Eternity is good because here becomes like a single grain of sand in the speck of time. We will still enjoy this speck of time and enjoy eternity if we worship the true God. If we cast away all negativities, if we put self aside and begin to look up. David says, I will look up to the hill where my help comes from. My help is of the Lord. The maker of heaven and of earth. He will not allow my foot to be moved. So, do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's from Romans 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed. When you're falling into trouble, don't be conformed. Stand firm. Love well. I'm not saying go out there, cast everybody, tell them how bad they are, how they are not worshiping the true God. No. You should be the testimony. You should love well. You should go there and make the difference. You should be there to be somebody who holds them up when they are down. A shoulder for them to cry on. 
You don't even have to talk Jesus for them to know who you are. In your workplace, what do people see you as? Amongst your friends, are you making a difference? Amongst your family, do they look up to you and say, he is always there when I'm down. He has never, never turned his back on me. Your love should be such that flows from your belly out, boom, into the people, and they will see who you are. Because your focus is on God, and the godliness automatically goes past you. Because you worship God, godliness becomes your nature. I'm almost there. The time is far gone. There are some words I want us to consider. These are Hebrew and Greek words. And they bring to mind when you're thinking worship, what you should think like. One of the words is tehillah. It means to sing spontaneously from your heart directly unto God. Barak, to kneel in adoration. Allow to be boastful, to praise your God, rave about him. Toda, to be thankful with an attitude of adoration, with your hands lifted high in worship. Do this word conjure any image in your head about what you should be doing when you're worshiping God? Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I keep on going to this being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? Because when we do not renew our mind, we start forgetting the things that should be in us. So we need to constantly go fellowship with our brethren, iron sharpened iron. Go, pick up your word, study it because it is our guide. It tells us what we need to do. Mingle with the right people, the godly people, and then your mind will be renewed constantly and you will be transformed. I picked that picture because the picture of the butterfly because it comes in a carcass and slowly it becomes like a maggot and then eventually it transforms into a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. Don't keep your mind dormant. Don't let yourself sleep. Relate with the right people. Mingle with godly people. Because mingling with godly people brings right character. Mingling with wrong people leads to wrong attitude. Let not your God be things that you so desire. Money, fame, power. Worship God. 
look up to him because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the creator of anything you can ever desire. There is nothing there is that was not made by him. In conclusion, I'll say, worship reminds us of our need for God. True worship authenticates our faith in him. Worship confronts our desire to conform with something, things that are not godly. And finally, worship transforms our view of reality. We we'll begin to see clearly who we are, what we are. And I pray that God will give us the strength to worship him in spirit and in truth. God bless you.